Welcome to the St. Andrew's Sunday Morning Sermon Podcast. You can connect with us online at www.gosaintandrew.com. We have two scriptures this morning. The first one is from Matthew chapter 6. In Matthew 5, we find Jesus standing on a mountain preaching, introducing the Beatitudes, and then he continues all of this into chapter 6. He instructs all who can hear to respectfully give, pray, fast, but not boast. Be humble and earnest. Then we get to our passage where Jesus says, don't worry, God's got you. Our second passage for today is from Acts chapter 2. This is that holy tag team that I mentioned from last week. The Holy, the, Jesus goes up and the Holy Spirit comes down. So that's what today's passage is. Let's hear the word of God. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and more and the and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air; they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of more value than they? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to the span of your life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I can tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and is tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What will I eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who seek these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be given to you as well. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. And our Acts passage, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared above them, and the tongue rested on each one of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. May God add a blessing to the reading of this word. It's true what 
Two weeks ago on this very day, at about this very hour, I set out with about 10 other young adults and three other adult chaperones on a pilgrimage of a lifetime to walk the Camino de Santiago. As you may know, that Camino de Santiago is an ancient pilgrimage trail in Spain that people from all over the world have been walking for about a thousand years. Spiritual pilgrimage is an ancient practice that is central to all three Abrahamic traditions, Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. In Islam, for example, the Quran obligates all adult Muslims to make an annual pilgrimage to Mecca at least once in their lifetime, if not once every year. As you may know, in Islamic practice, there are what are called five pillars, confessing the faith, praying five times a day, giving charity, fasting during the season of Ramadan, and the fifth pillar is pilgrimage, pilgrimage to Mecca, which is otherwise known as the Hajj. The Hajj is a five-day journey to the holy city of Mecca. The The word Hajj means literally to attend a journey. And this connotes both the outward act of journeying itself, but also the inward journey of submission to God for Muslims. This year, as you may know, July 7th marks the beginning of the five-day journey called the Hajj. In Judaism, the Torah instructs all adult males to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year during the agricultural festivals. In spring for Passover, in summer for what's called Shavuot, and in the fall for Sukkot. These are three annual pilgrimages that, that Jews are called to make. And historically, these pilgrimages are intended for a couple of reasons. One, They instill in the Jewish people a sense of national identity as the people of God. They also strengthen their own self-identification as a nation. Maybe most importantly, for Jews, the pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year instills or embeds in each of those Jews a sense of the sacredness of the temple, the place in which, as Jews believe, God dwells. Today, if you were to visit the Western Wall, and many of you have perhaps done that, you will encounter Jews who are uh, at the end of their pilgrimage. And there you will find them reciting prayers and singing and this wonderful practice of writing prayers on little pieces of paper and then pushing those prayers and papers into the cracks of the stones as a way of dedicating those prayers to God. And some of their prayers 
And some of these songs that you'll hear them sing are from the book of Psalms in our Old Testament. And this book contains particularly five, or I should say 15 songs. These are called Psalms of Ascent, or as some people call them, Songs for the Road. These 15 psalms are intended for Jews on their pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And each expresses the atoning power of the journey as well as the transformative encounter with God once they reach the temple. On our Camino with these 10 young adults over the last couple weeks, before we set out on our daily walks in the morning, we sat down and circled up together And each morning we read one of these 15 Psalms of Ascent. I want you to listen to just one of these Psalms, Psalm 121, and see if you can overhear the themes of journey and pilgrimage. The psalmist says, I raise my eyes toward the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God won't let your foot slip. The Lord is your shade right beside you. The sun won't strike you during the day, neither will the moon at night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. God will protect your very life. The Lord will protect you on your journey, whether going or coming. From now and forevermore. Here in this psalm, this single psalm, you hear how pilgrimage is, uh, is a symbol for utter dependence upon God and this opportunity to reorient your life and reorder your priorities and your commitments in life. And Christians have been themselves making pilgrimage for at least... Um, since the fourth century, perhaps even sooner. And most of these pilgrimages uh, lead to specific sites for Christians in which it's believed that the relics or bones of the apostles or the saints have been buried. So people will they'll journey to places like Rome or England or the Holy Land or, in our case, Santiago de Compostela in Spain. And it's there, it's believed that the remains of the apostle James have been buried. Santiago literally means Saint Iago, Saint James. And so it was there in Santiago, just this very day last week, after 120 kilometers of walking, that our pilgrimage ended. And as we entered the great square of Santiago, crowded with hundreds, maybe thousands of other pilgrims. We set our eyes on the great cathedral uh, that um, has been visited for thousands of years, 8,000 years, and and together we shared hugs. Some of us shed a few tears. All of us felt the, the elation and joy of having completed this extraordinary journey that so many others before us have walked. And after a brief rest in the crowded square, we shared prayers of thanksgiving, and then we celebrated together Holy Communion. During that time, each of our pilgrims offered up words or expressions of thanksgiving for the epiphanies along the way, 
simple things, community, new friendship, bird song. The bird song along the communio was extraordinary. Forgiveness, a sense of new beginnings, laughter, silence, cafe con leche, tinto vino. And then we broke bread together and we passed the cup and we celebrated the meal of Jesus. When I first conceived of this uh, pilgrimage to the Camino with these young adults, I had this wild idea that, um, that it, would, it would be life-changing for them, that, that each of them would experience something uh, that would be life-giving and life-changing in big and small ways. I think each of them, and many of them will be here at 10.30 today, would tell you that it had a profound experience, an impact on their lives. And, and in many ways, they can't even comprehend that yet. Uh, but it, it changed me too in wonderful ways. It was the Camino, it was the act of walking, the epiphanies along the way, the adversities that we came, overcame together, and of course these remarkable young adults. And all of these taken together had their deep impact on my body, my mind, and my spirit. Before setting out on our last day of walking the Camino, as each of us nursed sore feet and tired legs, and as we quietly longed for all the walking to finally be over, we read together this very passage that you just heard Reverend Lauren read today from Matthew 6. Don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? This is one of the most loving, most life-giving, and absolutely most maddening teaching of Jesus. Don't worry? Really? Who doesn't worry? Telling a person not to worry is like trying to convince a fly not to buzz up against the kitchen window all day. Or like trying to caution a moth about that bug-zapping heat lamp. Don't worry. Can any of us not worry? The truth about worry is that it is both a natural human instinct and a chronic human addiction. We don't want to worry, but we can't help it. We are as we know, hardwired for self-preservation as human beings, as a species. Whenever we're facing uncertainty or fear or danger, our minds immediately, they, they think about the worst things that could happen to us. And, and that's when we go groping and grasping for control. The turbulence on the airplane at 39,000 feet, it sends our imaginations into this immediate nosedive and what do we do? We, we grasp the armrest as if that's going to help. Or the doctor says she's concerned about the scans and wants to do a biopsy. Or you drop your child off at school after yet another school massacre. Are you, are you worried? Or your company is restructuring 
and the boss calls you in unexpectedly, are you worried? Or the stock market dips into bare territory and you are just months from retirement, are you a little worried? Or your teenager doesn't come home at curfew and is not picking up the phone, are you worried? Have you noticed how we go through life so anxious that we just hold our breath and we forget to exile, exhale? Worry is the norm. It's our cultural condition. Have you ever noticed that if you're not worried about something, that's really when others start worrying about you? As if, you know, you don't care enough or... You're not taking things seriously enough or you just are too naive to know how the world really works. Don't worry about your life, says Jesus. <laughs> Don't worry about what, what's for dinner. Don't worry about how you look in this pink dress or this blue suit. Jesus says there is so much more to life than worrying about these things. There's so much more to being human than worrying even about the simple things like food and clothing. Let me confess I have never really liked this teaching of Jesus. And maybe it's because I tend as a human not to worry too much about small stuff like what I'll wear or what I'll eat. Lori, she worries a lot about what I wear, but I don't worry much the point is, most of us don't lose sleep over whether we should have chosen the teriyaki chicken or the braised pork last night, or whether that denim jacket really goes with those brown corduroy pants. That's usually not the stuff that keeps us up at night. But what the Camino teaches us is that you can't let go of worrying about the big stuff until the little stuff that is the most basic stuff, no longer holds you hostage. And to be free from worry, you have to liberate yourself from the tyranny of small things, like food, clothes. Now look, I'm privileged, like most of you here, to not have to worry about the small things. For too many people in this world, small things like food and clothing and the lack of them are huge things. But in my place in the world, I've never once had to worry about where my next meal is going to come from or whether I can actually physically clothe myself or get to a doctor when I'm sick. But what I learned is that on the Camino, these little things, they're kind of essential things. How so? Well, for starters, you never really appreciate your feet <laughs> until you've walked 120 kilometers with them. Blisters, foot rashes, tenderness, swelling, lots of swelling. We experienced all of these things in the Camino. Most of us, after just the first day of walking, which was 14 miles. But on the Camino, you're reminded that you are in a body. You are in a body. 
You have a body. And it's a body that will carry you sometimes and will betray you sometimes. And foot problems on the Camino turn out to be uh, essential, ultimate matters of concern. Because each morning you wake up and you, you have to slip those shoes back on again. You have to slip them over blisters and toes as swollen and tender as little pork sausages. <laughs> and you have to keep walking when you don't want to. And the gift is you discover that you can. You can keep walking. Don't worry about your body, says Jesus. He understood the suffering body. Jesus understood the suffering body on a larger and more existential scale. And yet he kept walking, even after the cross. And Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. And on the Camino, you don't really have the privilege of worrying about whether you're going to like the food. You will eat whatever they serve you, which in our case was a heck of a lot of tuna, three times a day, smoked tuna, chopped tuna, tuna salad, tuna on your salad, tuna pasta, tuna casserole, tuna on bones, bones with a little tuna. It was like manna in the wilderness for the ancient Jews. Remember what manna really meant literally in the Hebrew? What the heck is this? And we had a lot of what the heck is this on the Camino. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, says Jesus, when you already know that tomorrow morning it's going to be tuna cornflakes. You can stop worrying and you can practice gratitude. And Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to wear. And on the Camino, you don't really have to worry about what you're going to wear because there's a very good chance you've already worn it many times. And you will know that you've already worn it. And so will everyone else. Trust me on this one. This is why when you finally arrive at the end of your pilgrimage in Santiago and you enter the crowded cathedral with hundreds of other how shall we put this, malodorous pilgrims. You will find periodically that the monks will, will swing what is called the barafumero. It's a, it's a giant cauldron filled with burning incense, and it hangs from the rafters of the cathedral, and it's tied to ropes which the monks pull back and forth, and they swing like a pendulum, this cauldron, and they fill the entire nave with incense. It's really an inspiring and mesmerizing practice. And so I asked my gu- our guide, Alfonso, if this ritual has religious meaning. And in halted English, she said, no, it's because all the pilgrims stink. <laughs> Don't worry about what you're wear, says Jesus. And Jesus understood the importance, the critical importance of understanding what you must live with and what you can live without. Jesus teaches us not to worry because he knows that worry is often the greatest 
fiercest barrier between us and God. It's the clearest sign that we have, that we have yet to put our whole lives into the care and trust of God. And worry is the surest symbol of modern atheism that so many of us Christians practice every day. This belief that if we cannot control everything in our lives, there must be something wrong with us. And so we must have to try harder and plan better and pray harder and, and, and prepare more and, 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 you know, suck it up and do it. It's a form of atheism because it assumes that there is no God to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And it's deadly atheism because in the end, life happens. Tragedy happens. Mistakes happen. Things that are out of our control happen. And if we cannot bend when they do happen, we'll break. And if we cannot fall on our knees in prayer when they do happen, we will stumble. And if we cannot, as the psalmist says, look to the hills from whence our help comes, we will look at only our own reflection, which, hey, is beautiful, it's strong, it's resilient, but it's not the maker of heaven and earth. Maybe Jesus pointed us back to the small, everyday stuff of our lives, like food and clothing, because such things put us back in the real world, in the present moment, in the here and now, And when we are there, we have to learn how to love what is. Byron Katie wrote this wonderful little book, Loving What Is. And he says that we humans are most miserable when we believe a thought that argues with what is. And he writes, when the mind is perfectly clear, What is, is what you want. If you want reality to be different than it is, you might as well try to teach a cat to bark. And you can try and try, but in the end, the cat will just look at you and say meow. Wanting reality to be different than it is, he says. Is hopeless. Don't worry about tomorrow, says Jesus. Love what is. Love what is. Jesus doesn't promise that the hard things in life won't come our way. He knows that the rain falls on the just and the unjust, just as it did for him. But what Jesus does promise is that if we tend to God's presence in our lives in the here and now, If we live in this very moment with an awareness of God's abiding presence with us today, then there's nothing that can come tomorrow that can ever take that presence away. And when we have that kind of confidence in the presence of God, we discover that the hardest things in life are not the adversities and hardships that come our way. The hardest thing in life is to try to endure them 
without that presence. We each had epiphanies along the way in our Camino, and all of which seemed to reveal a common, you might even call it a universal truth. It was a truth that was best expressed in one of our young adults on day four of the pilgrimage. Day four was about a 15-mile walk. Day three was a 19-mile walk. So we had already walked more than 50 miles. The sun on that day was unforgiving. Our bodies were weary. We were sick and tired of tuna. And in the middle of our journey, one of our pilgrims just collapsed. In a teary, emotional epiphany. We stopped, we talked about what she was experiencing. It was wonderful, it was beautiful. This was just hard stuff, stuff that you go through, unresolved grief, family stuff. What's going to happen to my life? That kind of stuff. But after we talked it through, she took this long, deep sigh. And she said, it's hard to be a person. She was right. Jesus was right. I mean, the birds don't worry about sowing seeds or harvesting. And the flowers, he said, they don't worry about working. They just show up to the sunlight. But we humans worry a lot. And that's what makes it super hard to be a person. And so Jesus pointed to the lilies and said, look at them. They don't toil or spin with worry. But God gives them sunlight. Look at the birds. They have nests. And God gives them a breeze on which to fly. Love what is. Let go of tomorrow. It's hard to be a person, especially if you're looking so far down the trail, instead of looking at what's right in front of you. The Camino teaches you that life is it's meant to be lived just one step at a time. And if we try to live it any other way, we'll inevitably get lost. It's only when we get out of our heads and feel the earth literally beneath our feet that we will finally find our way and find God, maybe find ourselves. Our takeaways for today, God will do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Life is meant to be lived one step at a time. And when we let go of tomorrow and let it worry about itself, we can finally love what is. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. And if you'd like more information, go to www.gosaintandrew.com. See you next week.